Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Keith. If you don't know me, and I want to welcome all of you here and those of you online, and I am from our Springville Crossing campus, and I'm just excited to be with you all today. And I want to welcome you to this, our fourth week of the series, Upside Down Kingdom. And it's a series about how when Jesus established his ministry here on earth, the kingdom of God, in other words, it was upside down. Uh, upside down to the way that the rest of the world worked, Upside down to the way that known kingdoms of that time worked, and really just upside down regarding how people interacted with one another in relationship and on a daily basis. It was upside down then, and we're here to say that it is just as upside to all, down to all of that today. So what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at ways in which this is true, and we're doing that all in order to live out God's invitation He's invited us to be citizens of his kingdom today and forever, which I've got to tell you, I feel like that's a very worthy endeavor. It's an important thing to understand. It's an important thing to pursue and or implement because I was recently reminded of a definition of insanity, and it's one that you've probably heard. Insanity is doing what? It's doing the same thing, isn't it? Over and over again, but expecting different results. I know I've been guilty of that. I'm sure many of you in this room and online have been guilty of that. And as we look at the world around us, doesn't it just seem a bit insane? And partially it is, I think, because we see people, including us again oftentimes, doing what? That. Doing the same thing over and over, but expecting different results. Treating one another the same way. <laughs> My way or the highway, right? Right? Dealing with conflicts in the same way, by yelling, fighting, avoiding those things, yet expecting different results. We see people largely doing that versus changing and versus trying something new. Church, it's time to try something new. And it starts with us. And that's what this series has been about. And so today we are going to be looking at yet another refreshing and another exciting aspect of the upside-down kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we are going to do so today by focusing in on the king himself of God's kingdom. His name is Jesus. And we are going to see how he just operates in a good and a different way in his role. And he calls us to as well as his followers, as his subjects of this kingdom, as his ambassadors as we are called to advance this kingdom. So with that, let's read John chapter 5, 1 through 9, New King James Version, and we're going to dig in from there. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, 
I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now, as you reflect on that scene a little bit, let me just say this. When I think of the term king or kingdom, I kind of get this feeling. It elicits feelings in me, and I think it does you. I get feelings of, of somewhat being overwhelmed. I guess that's how I would label it. Or just feelings of, of being such a small piece in a big, daunting world or a system. Uh, the feeling of being a cog in the wheel, if you will. Feelings of distance, impersonal feelings. And I know that in our society, right, we aren't accustomed to the, the terms king or kingdom or that kind of structure. But as you just think, you know, maybe of, of things like government officials or, or systems of authority and different hierarchies under which we live, I think we're pretty confidently, we feel as we think about those things, that word overwhelmed. We have similar feelings, for example, when, when maybe you think of the Speaker of the House or, or maybe the CEO of your company or maybe even the boss above your boss scheduling a meeting with you, a feeling that would likely go with that is overwhelmed, right? And just, you can't picture someone like that just showing up at your door, right, just to hang out, like to have a barbecue or something, to, to just see really how you are. That makes little sense, right? And you and I often, you know, we feel uncared for, we feel unseen or distant, right, by people who are in high position. Or maybe even that if you did something to be seen, danger would come. You know, sometimes sticking out like a sore thumb in a setting where there is like a power base or something, well, that can lead to negative and sometimes dangerous attention, which is nothing new, Okay. Even leading up to the time of Jesus, we see negative feelings about systems of authority, assumptions about them, if you will, to some degree. And these things, they impact us, they imprint us, and they were the understanding of the world that Jesus was born into, and even the understanding today. You know, just picture Moses for a second, called, right, to go into the presence of the Pharaoh, the king, if you will. It was a daunting thought for him, and it would be for us as well. So overwhelming. And I was even thinking about Esther from our Bible. As we see her considering approaching the king, who was also her husband, by the way, but as she thought about even approaching him without being summoned, she says this, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. <laughs> Yikes, right? So from days ago up to when Jesus established his kingdom, and even beyond that, up to today, we are just ingrained with this overwhelming, impersonal, distant feeling when it comes to terms like king or kingdom and what those things elicit and just the power structures that we may live under, the cog in the wheel feeling, the unnoticed, the uncared for, the unapproachable feelings, that's the norm, if you will, in the structure of the world, right? 
But with that, let's contrast for a second this morning. Let's contrast in our minds that to the scene that we just read in John chapter 5. The scene where, where Jesus, who is what and who is who? The King of Kings, guys. The Lord of Lords. Jesus, to whom every knee will bow one day and tongues confess that he is God. Let's contrast our understanding of a person with high authority and in high authority with him and what he's modeled for us. Now, first of all, as we think about that scene, I think, I think you'd agree that this is a rather sad scene, a rather pathetic scene. Because we read around this pool, there was an area, right? This pool of Bethesda, which if you don't know, that means pool of mercy or pool of pity. Well, we read that around it were these five porches. In other words, five large open spaces, okay? Capable of holding a significant number of people. And with this place being known as a, a place for physical healing, large numbers of sick people would come. The diseased, the lame, the blind, the paralyzed, you name it. The what, in other words, the needy, right? They would come, all coming to congregate with this rather slim hope of being healed. This slim hope of being healed. All these people, no social distancing here, okay? Picture it for a minute. And these, the weak and the hurting, they were watching intently for the occasion of that water to be stirred. Also, they could frantically, right? Frantically try to be the first in the pool. Yet knowing that the majority of them would leave disappointed and unhealed and with having their hopes dashed. Because again, only the one, right? That's what we read. Only the one that got to the water first was made whole. Only the one that did was, was healed of whatever disease they had. Only the first. Only the fastest. And really, when you think about it, only the one that could get to God. So with that scene in mind, few, right? I think you'd agree with this. Few of high position, few in good health, would want to be caught in that scene. Wouldn't you agree with that? A, a king or a ruler tends to avoid getting their hands dirty or putting themselves at risk of maybe catching whatever disease may be there present, or at risk of even being bombarded, right, with pleas of help, you know, help me. P these pleas from the hurting. What I'm saying is it would be an uncomfortable scene, and one that most of us <laughs> wouldn't choose to be caught dead in, let alone being a person of high authority. In short, this is something we would assume to see a king distance himself from, and perhaps even be impersonal regarding. But not our king. Not our king. Not your king. Jesus is there. He is there. The king of our kingdom is there among them. Listen, he was in fact <laughs> the living water of mercy. He himself, after whom that pool is named, is there. He's there. He who is the very creator of the water that filled those pools is there among them. He, okay, who is unequal, superior to even the angel that is said to have stirred those waters is there among them. And doing what? Well, first of all, 
just being present. He's just there, just being present among them, which in and of itself, church, is amazing for a king or for someone at all that doesn't have to be there, right? He's there. In his work, The Evangelist, Christian writer and theologian J.G. Ballett writes this about the scene. They lingered round that uncertain, disappointing water. Though the Son of God was present, surely there is a lesson for us in this. The pool thickly populated and Jesus passing by unheeded, which means heard and noticed but, but disregarded. That's what unheeded means. J.G. Ballot continues, What a witness of man's religion. Ordinances with all their complicated machinery sought after and the grace of God slighted. Church, what this scene first tells us about our king and his upside-down kingdom is that King Jesus associates as opposed to isolates. And in saying that, the initial mindset we talked about when it comes to the term king or kingdom or even that, that chain of systems above us does not apply when it comes to Jesus. The kingdom of God is a kingdom about presence. The kingdom of God is a personal kingdom. The presence of our king with us in the midst of the mess and in the places where we need healing and where we need wholeness, that's what this scene shows us. It shows us that in God's kingdom, it's not about fear. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And it is not one in which you or I are in need of being summoned. He summoned us already by the cross, each and every one of us. And he said, come, come, receive me, be with me. The kingdom of God, it is not even one of needing to get somewhere to get to someone. But instead, it is one of letting that someone, Jesus, get to you. That's the way our kingdom works. Letting that someone, Jesus, get to us by letting our walls down, by not relying so, so much on our own efforts, even, dare I say, repetitive, sometimes insane efforts, right? I mean, this man, think about it. He had presumably come to this pool for 38 years trying to get to the healing. It took him once to let Jesus get to him with the healing. Now, you've got to see, when it comes to faith, church, what we are talking about right here is huge. It's huge. Because what this means and what this shows us about faith overall is that God is not a come and get it God. He is a present where you are at God. And even, maybe, maybe even especially, I would say, in the mess, in the situation of need. I have come for the righteous, not the sick, said Jesus. Praise God for that this morning. That right there is, is the refreshing, upside-down kingdom of God, of our king, so refreshing, more refreshing than the waters of that pool. And first, we, we need just to ask ourselves a question this morning. Those of us in need of a touch from the Lord, are, are we trying to get to the pool? Are we just working, 
striving, or even waiting to be summoned by our king when he's already summoned us by the cross? Are we waiting until we're good enough for something? Well, he is right there near you all the time. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close. <laughs> he is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What is heavy inside of you today? What is crushing you? The first thing we need to know today is let him in. Let him in. Let him in. And besides that, what it means for us personally, you know, besides what it means for us personally when we need that touch for the Lord, as we continue to work out our own salvation, as we continue to grow in his likeness, living out the kingdom of God, we see something else from this, this message. And that's this. We need to be present for and with people. We need to be present for and with people as ambassadors of his kingdom. Those who are hurting, those who are in need of healing, those who are in uncomfortable spots and situations need us. They need our presence. Oftentimes not our solution. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. But, but sometimes just our presence, just our peace that we carry with us that comes from the Lord. Because God is with us. He is with us. And because the kingdom is something to be lived out by us, again, as his followers, we are to be present with them. Again, the, the hurting, the confused, those in need of healing. And we can be present with them confidently. I hope you know that. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, can be present with them confidently because, again, he is with us. And if we know the healer, if we know Jesus, it is a matter of us being present to introduce them to him and to encourage them toward him and to carry them to him in prayer, in word, and in deed. In short, what I want to say to us today and myself is, is like our king, we need to associate, not isolate. That needs to be our posture. Now, speaking of deeds, speaking of action, you know, as we read the story and think about it, it is all well and good to know that Jesus, as king of our upside-down kingdom, is different, and that he is a present with the people king. That is awesome. That is encouraging. But church, that's not even all that we see in this account, the depth of all we see here in John 5. Because being present in and of itself is often not enough. It is often not enough to advance the kingdom of God. It's often not what we're even called to. We may be called to more than just being present. We may be called to that to be an agent of change for the kingdom of God and in the life of someone through the power of Jesus Christ. By, by not isolating and associating, that, that's just the start oftentimes, really. It was for Jesus, as as we'll uncover in a second, and it is to be often for us, this next step to take. Let me just quickly reread verse 6 to see this in Jesus. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? 
let me ask you something, okay? Let me ask you something. Have you ever been guilty of being present physically, but absent mentally? I sure have. Uh, some may call that a trait of marriage, but it would be an unhealthy one, right? And, and many kings, right? Many rulers, many bosses, many spouses, many friends, many churches even of this world have, have lost sight of the people, have lost sight of the person. Many have done that, haven't they? But not Jesus. That's what we see here. Not Jesus, not our upside-down king. He is a student, you see, when being present. He is a student while being present. Well, because, why does he do that? How is he able to do that? Well, first of all, because he embodies living a life of others over self. He embodies that. He embodies living out things like sacrifice over safety. He leads us by modeling that, church. Now, you, you've likely heard of, of the difference before b between hearing and listening, right? Hearing and listening, they are two very different things. Whereas hearing is simply like kind of acknowledging that a sound is being made, noticing it, if you will, but maybe in the background. Listening is something different, right? Listening is, is paying attention. It's paying attention to those sounds. It's even perhaps taking action based on those sounds. Well, in this case of this scene, as is true in life overall, I would propose, okay, that we see a similar difference to hearing versus listening. But here it's the difference between seeing versus looking. You see, seeing, seeing is a very broad term. For example, as I look out from the stage, I see the crowd. I, I see all of you, but I really don't notice any single one of you. But looking is different. It is a focused form of seeing, really. It is a zooming in, if you will, on something. It's a zooming in on someone to notice more. To notice maybe that, that so-and-so, Todd, here he has a, a gray shirt on with a a cross on it. It looks like a Bill's shirt. That's the difference between just seeing and looking. It's noticing. And what listening, okay, versus hearing, and what looking versus just seeing really speaks to, it's a, it's a depth of intimacy thing, church. Think about it. Think about it. It's a depth of intimacy thing. Now, I don't know for sure, okay, going back to our story, I don't know for sure how Jesus knew that that man had been in that condition a long time. I mean, we all default to, well, you know, he's God, right? So he knows all, which is true. And it's possibly how he knew this, that he had been there a long time. But maybe, okay, just maybe, just maybe, Jesus had observed this man before. Maybe Jesus had asked questions about this man before. Maybe he had listened to people share the sad story of this man before. We, we don't really know how Jesus knew this. But here's what we do know. What we do know is we are not God. So we don't just miraculously know things. We don't just miraculously do that. But here's what we know. <laughs> He's given us ability He's given us the ability to be students of people. He's given us the ability to look and not simply just see. He's given us the ability to listen 
and not just simply hear. And we can ask questions, can't we? We can do that in order to understand the circumstances, the situations that one another are in. And, and they can be questions that we ask of others. They can be questions that we ask of that person themselves. And, and I know sometimes we get weird about that, but if, if done respectfully, if done in care, if done with the right motives, the questions are okay. They aren't prying. They aren't gossiping. And we see Jesus, don't we? We see him here ask a question. He says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? To which the man responds in John 5, 7, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. Church, this exchange right here of question and response, it epitomizes looking versus just seeing. And the man's response epitomizes something else. It epitomizes the lack of presence by most. All of the people around this man that, that knew him or that saw him, but that did not look at him and thus did not what? They did not help him. And or this scene, it also epitomizes the focus on self versus others by most, right? Jesus is present on the scene and he goes one step further. He looks at this man, picks him out of the crowd, and he asks him a question. And this teaches you and I a very valuable lesson, church, about how things work and are to work in the kingdom of God. Do you know what it teaches us? It teaches us this. Without contact, there can be no impact. Without contact, there can be no impact. Think about that. In order to be, to, to, to be taking presence to the next level, one must take some form of contact. One must make that connection. Mentally, indirectly or directly, relationally, something, some form of contact. And you know what I've been guilty of, and I know all you have too, <laughs> We've all been in places, we've all been in situations where we just want to be that fly on the wall, right? And I think we want to be that because we either don't want to be bothered or we think we have nothing to offer. Which if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, those two things just aren't acceptable. And those two things just are not true. First, okay, when Jesus taught about helping the hurting, when he modeled serving another, he was pretty clear. <laughs> he was pretty clear. He said things like what? Go and do likewise. Just resolving yourself to not wanting to be bothered is not acceptable. God calls us to something in response to what God through Jesus Christ has done for us. And we should want to share him out with the goal of introducing others to him and to the kingdom itself. And by being present and by looking versus just seeing and then by making contact, we can love others to him. That's the vehicle to do it. And we don't do it to earn something. Don't get messed up about that. We do it to give something. We don't do it to earn something. We do it to give something. Christ to others. That's why we do it. 
And speaking of that, here's our question. You know, we saw Jesus ask a question, right? Here's the basic question that you and I, that we need to be asking ourselves as we are students of the places we are at. Are you ready for it? Because it's, it's a complicated question. It's a hard one. Not. <laughs> Here it is. Who and how? Who and how? Who and how can I help? Who and how can I help? That needs to be our posture. That needs to be my posture more. Even, you know, I was thinking about that. Even if we just observe someone struggling in a setting that we are in, even if we just had our antennas up to notice that, what if, church, what if we prayed right then and there, just us to God, help that person, I can tell they're struggling. That alone would be huge. I know I don't do that enough when I walk into situations. I'm guessing you don't either. What if we just had eyes to look and to call on the name of God through Jesus Christ to help that person? That alone would be huge. Not even mentioning taking it further and, and asking and then acting out of what we find out. Now, now quickly, because we're running out of time, in response to that other thing about being a fly on the wall, you know, that whole idea of I have nothing to offer, I just have one word for you, wrong. You have everything to offer. <laughs> you have Christ with you. He's with you, and his spirit empowers you and I as believers in Christ to help. And again, you ultimately have him that you can offer to all. And he's the real help, not me, not you. He is. He's the real help everyone needs. Now, related to all this, I just want to really help you and I with, with one trap that we could fall into with a sermon like this. And it is the pressure of a feeling like, man, i got to run out and help everyone now. i got to run out and help everybody. I am guessing, okay, that, that Jesus might have even felt that in that moment, in that scene, John 5. Remember, he was fully human too. But those feelings didn't dictate what he did in this moment. He helped and he healed one. And in that, I, I think he shows us something. And that is this. If it wasn't his calling, okay, the king of the universe's calling, if it wasn't his calling to help everyone in that scene, it probably isn't yours. It probably isn't mine in the scenes that we find ourselves in. Now, we are to, meant to be present with and help at least someone. We're to be present with and help at least someone and, and maybe some someones, but not everyone. That's impossible. That's not healthy for you. That's not most helpful to the people around you. How many we can effectively be present with and help, it's different by person. It's different by season of life we're in and what we're going through ourselves. And if we try to get involved, you know, in five situations, but we only have room for two, we're only being called to two, no one wins in that situation. A book I read once, it was pretty cool. It likened this to Legos. You remember how Legos, there's different sizes, different number of connection points? Well, each one of us, we are really different sized Legos. And at different points in our life. So it is really, you know what it's about? It's about seeking God. It's about seeking wisdom from God about the size Lego that you are currently. 
daily, every situation you're in. And it's not about over-connecting, but it's also not about under-connecting. Okay? It's not about being lazy, in other words. It's not about being unwilling to face some discomfort. It's not about being unwilling to, to sacrifice some. It's not about making excuses or letting the priorities of the world drown out the priorities of God. May I remind you of the priorities of God that we truly love him by truly and tangibly loving and helping others. That's God's priority. No excuses, no laziness. Seeking wisdom. How many connection points do I have, God? That's the upside-down kingdom. Active presence. But we just, again, we really need to seek wisdom from our Heavenly Father regularly, which He will give us, church, wisdom to know what size Lego we currently are and to realize maybe that we have room for another connection. Then we pray to Him and and say, bring it, (laughs) bring them to me and give me the eyes to see them and the wisdom and the power to address what needs to be addressed as He would have us do. So, how is your active presence in the world around you? Do you have some unused connection points? Do you maybe have too many right now and you're not helping anyone? The point is God wants to build something amazing. And that something he wants to build and expand is his kingdom. But he wants you and he wants me to say yes to that. And then he wants us to get in the game. That's what he desires for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being such a present king with us. And you are more than a king. You are a God of the universe, and you are present. You are near, we are told, to the brokenhearted. And Lord, you look versus just see. You look, you see what's going on, you care, you are intimate with each and every one of us. And you just say, let me in, let those walls down. So Lord, I just pray that those of us that need a touch from the Lord today would just stop maybe trying to get to him and let him get to them. I pray that, Lord Jesus, over everyone in this room because we all need that touch from you regularly. Let us let you in. And Lord, as we live this out, Give us that wisdom. Give us your power. Help us to know and to walk into situations with our antennas up like you did at that pool of Bethesda. Help us to know who to reach out to and how and and give us the questions to ask and, and the ways to help. We just thank you for that. I want everybody just to, to look up for a second before we say amen. You know, the the physical healings that we see in John 5 are really a picture of the spiritual healing that we all need. And I didn't read all of John chapter 5. I'm going to encourage you to do that later, but go read it later and you're going to see Jesus revisit this man. He slips away for a little bit and he comes back and revisits and they talk about spiritual things. And why I wanted you all to look up here is... (laughs) I don't want Jesus, like that quote we read, I don't want him to go unheeded in your life. That's my heart. 
A lot of us see Jesus, but we don't really look at him. And if that's you, if you've never just said, Jesus, I'm letting my walls down. I want to let you into my life. I've never understood that Jesus loved me so much that he came to this earth, that God sent him to be the sacrifice for my mistakes, my sins, so I can be back in the presence of God. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, this is a great time to do that. It's even a great time just to go beyond seeing and start looking a little more. Now, if you make that decision to just let Jesus in, we we have something on our website, Knowing Jesus. It's up at the top right. It's a cross. We'd love for you to click on that and just let us know that you're making that decision today. And we just want to come alongside and, and help you in any way we can through that and be praying for you. So with that, amen, and let's worship.